Hey everybody, this is Jim from faithtestedbyfire.com, and you are listening to the Faith Tested by Fire podcast. Welcome everyone, my name is Jim, and you are listening to the Faith Tested by Fire podcast. And uh, amazingly enough, this is episode number 82, and I wasn't even aware until just a few minutes ago that uh, we had 81 episodes published already. And when I decided to, or when I felt led to, I guess I felt led and then I decided to act on what I felt like I was being led to do, was to put a podcast together based upon or having a foundation in Luke 18.1, where Jesus, it says, spoke a parable to them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. And I think that scripture verse has been a key verse in my own life because every time I've wanted to quit, give up, and accept something that wasn't exactly what you would call victory, but to just pass it off as, well, for some reasons that I probably won't understand in this lifetime, this particular situation isn't going to have a very victorious outcome. I'd be reminded of this scripture that Jesus himself, out of his own mouth. Now, we know that all scripture, uh, the Bible says that all scripture has been given under the inspiration of God. In other words, God speaks through men. The Bible says that God spoke through the prophets in the days of old, but has in this last time spoken to us through his son, Jesus Christ. And so Jesus himself said, the words that I speak are not my own, but the, the Father himself, yeah, he, he's telling me what to say. And so Jesus speaking is like the Father speaking. It's almost like um, if your father, I don't know if your father is still living or not, um, but uh, let's just suppose that he is, and if he is, it could, this is something that could happen today. Or if he is not, it could be something that would have happened in the past. But either way, he gave you a message to give to someone else, and then you physically went there and met with that person. And basically, the words were not your own, but they were your father, your earthly father who sent you. So, uh, you know, it's kind of like pass the message along. And it takes special people to pass a message along accurately. I believe that's why God chose certain people and um, equipped them and anointed them and had a purpose in their life to be a spokesperson uh, for himself. Now, you know, I always used to think, what if, why can't God just appear, step out of the smoke and everything and just tell it like it is? And uh, I guess there's a reason for that. I mean, if everybody saw the, what was the, reality of the spiritual world, if everybody uh, saw things as they were, then uh, the, the element of deception would be gone. But for whatever reason, uh, we have to take things by faith. When you think about how the serpent deceived Eve in the garden, Adam went willingly, but it says that Eve was actually deceived Um She could have chosen to believe or disbelieve what the serpent said. And and think about that in life. Whenever we're communicating with someone, we can choose to believe or doubt what they're saying. 
And I guess through certain experiences, we either build up faith or doubt in the words of other people. And so when it comes to God, the Bible says that uh, he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And so today I want to talk a little bit about, and I'm going to call this part one. I don't know how many parts there'll be, but I want to call this part one of how faith works. And I want to talk about this subject because it's really a a near and dear topic to my heart. has been um, since I really started learning about it back in the mid-1980s and have seen all kinds of great things happen in my life by doing exactly what the Bible says. And then I've also experienced setbacks by putting my faith more in uh, maybe a formula or doing things a certain way um, and not actually having faith in God. I don't know if that makes any sense or not, but what I mean by that is kind of walking by uh, faith for one minute and then walking by sight another and then kind of altering how I was approaching or doing things and then looking to see if that approach would have a visible effect on the situation. So, so we either walk by faith and not by sight, or we have one foot in faith, one eye looking to God and another guy, another guy, another eye looking at the circumstance. But you know, the Bible says actually what faith is in the New Testament. If you go to Hebrews chapter 11, verse number one, that's known as the, um, you know, the faith chapter the, where the Faith Heroes Hall of Fame is located. And it says there that now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things not seen. I remember years ago hearing a teaching that now faith is means that if it's not now, it's not faith. In other words, faith is a present tense belief. Hope is the belief that something better is coming down the line or maybe days, weeks, months ahead, maybe even minutes or hours ahead. It really doesn't have a time limit on it. Hope is always future tense, though. But when Jesus taught faith in, um, in the Gospels, for example, uh, Matthew 21, 21, or Mark chapter 11, verse number 24, he said, Therefore I, I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when, when you pray, believe. And the when you pray is always present tense. In other words, if I pray today, I'm praying now. And when you pray, Jesus said, believe you receive. He didn't say hope you receive. He didn't say hope it's coming down the line. He said, believe you receive when you pray and you will have it. Believe you receive it when you pray and you will have it. And so one preacher put it like this. He said, and I remember reading about his story back in the 80s. He said, you're going to get in the future exactly what you believe you received while you were praying. In other words, you're going to get what you believe you already have. So if I pray for a minute and that minute ends, the next minute I believe I have the answer. And I believe I have it the next minute, the next hour, the next day, the next month, even if it's not visibly there. So Jesus didn't say feel like you have it. Jesus didn't say see that you have it. He said believe that you have it. Well, how do you do that? 
<laughs> well, the whole thing began in, if we use the same context, the same scriptures that I just read from Mark chapter 11, uh, in the 22nd verse, Jesus began his entire teaching by saying, have faith in God. And then he went on with the teaching. Actually, let me go there. I'll read it literally. I'm just quoting it from memory because I've read it for so many years. Um, Mark chapter 11, let's start in um, verse number 12. It says there, remember we're talking about what faith is, uh, how faith works. And we're trying to get an idea of uh, what the Bible says about it and just consider some things maybe that aren't exactly accurate um, in your current belief system. I know and I believe because just based not on my experience, but if you only go by what the Bible says, not what happened to you or what happened to your friend or what happened to somebody else or what a pastor said or what an evangelist said, but if you go just by the Bible itself, if you were here when these words were spoken, you take them at, at face value, they're pretty absolute. So Mark chapter 11, verse 12, it says, And on the morrow, when they were come from Bethany, he was hungry. I'm reading from the American King James Version. And seeing a fig tree afar off having leaves, he came, if happily he might find anything thereon. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for the time of figs was not yet and it goes on to say, uh, verse 14, And Jesus answered and said to it, No man eat fruit of you hereafter forever. And his disciples heard it. So in other words, he didn't whisper. doesn't say he shouted at it or screamed at it, but still he spoke in an audible voice. I guess that's, that's the point here. No man eat fruit from you. Now he's talking to an inanimate object as though it had ears to hear as though it was a separate living entity, which I guess it is, right? A tree is a living entity. And his disciples heard it. And then, you know, it goes on and talks about what was happening when they got to Jerusalem. And Jesus went into the temple, and you know the story about the money changers. If you don't, you can read it later. But then in the 19th verse, it says, And when the evening was come, he went out of the city. In other words, he went out of Jerusalem, and they head back the way they had come. And in the morning... It says, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree from the day before dried up from the roots. Peter called to remembrance and said to him, Master, behold, the fig tree which you cursed is withered away. So, you know, there's blessings and then there's cursing. So the cursing is basically, he said to the tree, no one's ever going to eat fruit from you again. Well, you know, fruit uh, trees are designed to grow fruit. A, a, a barren tree is not, um, I was going to call it an anomaly, but trees are designed to bear fruit, all things being equal. So this tree wasn't doing what it was designed to do. And Jesus used it as an example to teach the spoken word and faith. So Peter said to him, see, the two are connected together. Right? Sometimes, now, sometimes the spoken word is actually us praying out loud to God. I know you can pray under your breath and everything, but let's just look at the way it's laid out here in the gospel here. Uh, he said, the fig tree which you curse is withered away. What would happen, do you think, if he blessed it instead of cursed it? Well, probably the opposite. Maybe they would have seen buds uh, forming the next day. But Verse 22, Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. Well, 
some translations, if you have the Greek in the middle, will say have the faith of God or have the faith that comes from God. Now, here's something I want to insert in here. Now, I guess it depends what type of preaching that you've listened to over the years, but I, I want to make an argument based simply on the scriptures, not on just logic alone. So, for example, the Bible says that Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith, and we find the, this message of have faith, have faith, believe, only believe in the Gospels, but it seems like by the time we get to the book of Acts, we don't see that have faith message quite as strong as we do here. And the reason is, is because if you believe in Jesus and you receive the Holy Spirit, right? If you, if you open your heart and God comes into your life, if you believe in Jesus, you already have faith. And the scriptures, the New Testament was written to people of faith, people who already believe. Those, the book of Acts shows what faith can do with people that have it. The letters encourages people the things to do to strengthen the faith that they already have. In other words, you already have faith. And the Bible says Jesus is the author and finisher of your faith. You know, at one time, Jesus asked the question to disciples, uh, who do men say that I am? And the responses came, well, some say, uh, you, you know, you're Elijah, uh, one of the prophets who've come of old. And Jesus asked Peter, who do you say that I am? And Jesus, uh, or Peter said to Jesus, well, you're the Christ, you're the living son of God. And he said, blessed are you because flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. Blessed are you. If you believe that Jesus is who he said he is, if you believe that he is the Son of God, if you believe that he is the Messiah, um, if you believe these things, God raised him from the dead. It says, for with the heart man believes, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. In other words, if, if you are a believer According to the Bible, Jesus is the author and finisher of your faith, not you. I think sometimes we take the need to develop ourselves spiritually into our own hands, and that's why we face so many frustrations. Right? Jesus is writing, completing your faith. You're not completing it in your own power. And sometimes I think that people believe, and the reason why they think this way is because at the base of our culture, when we go back, the mindset of the West was heavily influenced by Greek culture. Matter of fact, the New Testament was written in Greek, and the Greeks exalted knowledge. And when you go back into the book of Acts, you can see that. If you look in your history books, you can see that. And, and who do people put their faith in and look to today, in today's world, higher? Who's whose opinions are elevated above um, the, uh, the rest of the, the people around us. Scientists, people who have knowledge. Right? So most people believe that the secret to life is more knowledge or the right knowledge. Right? People believe that knowledge enlightens. But, you know, according to the Bible, there's nothing wrong with knowledge because the Bible says that my uh, people perish. 
because they do, they lack knowledge. They lack understanding, but the understanding that we need in life, the understanding that God has provided, he's chosen to do it through this, this message, through this gospel, through this good news, through what we call God's word today. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It comes by hearing it audibly. It comes by you uh, meditating and dwelling on it. It comes by you reading it. In other words, by you hearing it, both in your physical ears and in your heart, hearing it. Did you ever hear that saying? Do you hear what I'm saying? You know, sometimes people say something to their, uh, to their kids and, and there's that, that saying they'll use. They'll say, do you hear what I'm saying? It, what, they actually hear it. Yeah, they hear the words, but they, are they understanding it and are they taking it to heart? See, well, so when the Bible says faith comes by hearing, I can almost imagine God saying, do you hear what I'm saying? You know, at one point, God actually spoke. Uh, when Jesus was at the temple, he said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Some people said that it thundered. Other people said an angel spoke. So in other words, not everybody has ears to hear. Jesus said, he who has ears, let him hear. So uh, just have faith in God. So a lot of times, and I think the old time preacher Smith Wigglesworth probably said it the best. He says, faith doesn't take any real strength to carry, but rather it carries you. And I think that sometimes we've kind of intellectualized our approach to this and other things that are in the scripture. Kind of when you intellectualize something and, and, you, and you try to understand it. And this is the thing about science. Science bases its, its um, theorems or its analysis or everything else based on what it can see and what it can measure. But if the reality we live in is undergirded by something that is invisible, then those e e invisible qualities and those invisible quantities are missing from whatever equation they're using. And so at best, they have a, an incomplete equation, if not a completely wrong one. Think about that for a minute. Think about in your own life when you thought something was one way, but it was really the other because you went based on what information you had at the time. Here's just a quick sort. This is just a simple thing, and sometimes we need simple illustrations to really understand or take to heart some deeper truths. But the other week, my car, I went to start my car in the morning, and it just kind of click, click, clicked. And right away, the first thing that came to my mind was the battery. The only thing was I had a new battery put in a few days before. And then I thought about the starter. And then I was convinced it was the starter. I was convinced it was the starter based on what I had experienced in the past, based on the fact, could I have had a faulty battery? Yeah, I could have, but I was sure it wasn't that. And so I, I called my friend, who is my uh, mechanic. Thank God for personal mechanics. And I said, I'm going to bring the car down for you to take a, a look at uh, as soon as I can. What do you think it is? And um, it, 
you know, he gave me his opinion. I didn't agree with it, of course. What do I know? I'm not a mechanic. I just know based on the experiences I've had with cars breaking down in the past, with parts having been needing replaced, with just my limited experience. I started driving when I was 18 years old. That was a long time ago. But it's long enough where you have enough experience where sometimes you think you know more than you really do. Now, he's under hoods all day long. Not me. I'm under the hood, and I really don't know what to do about it when I'm under the hood. I mean, there's certain things, yes, I can do that I learned how to do. But I don't have the tools. I don't have the experience. I don't have the training. You know, and, and so I came to a conclusion that I believed was the right conclusion. Now, here's the thing. Rather than just say, I don't know, I came to a conclusion that was a good fit. And to be honest, I went online, I looked for the how much it would cost for the starter and how to replace the starter, watched a video on the starter. And as it turned out, when I got the car to him, it wasn't that at all. It was simply a loose connection, something that was um, corrected in 15 seconds. And I felt stupid. Now, that's just something simple with a car of not knowing. When you look at life and the world and all of the intricate ecosystems and the balances and all of these things that God created, when God said to Job, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? When you think about all of these things and you think, what could like a human being limited in understanding and knowledge and perception think that he's or she has this thing figured out. Doing some experiments with basically in the scope of things, a primitive tool, and then doing a bunch of calculations and coming up with a theory and calling it fact. Think about that. So, you know, when you put it in that in that scope, and then on the other side, does that mean that we shouldn't try to understand more, try to do more? No, I'm not saying that at all, because think about it for a minute. God sees us like as children, limited in knowledge and limited in understanding. The Bible sees us as sheep. And, you know, sheep are really needy animals. If you want to, if you were going to be a superhero, do you think you would put like, uh, you know, what would your logo look like? Would you have like a sheep? <laughs> your, no, you, you think that sheep are just there for the slaughter or, you know, to be petted and loved and they're not really sheep aren't warriors. So but the Bible calls us sheep and sheep are in need of a shepherd. Now, now the positive thing about this and, and this is, you know, we are made in the image and likeness of God. And there's a lot of things that if you want to see what God is like, just look at Jesus. Not only was he God in, in, in the words that he spoke, but he was God in the deeds that he did and the way he approached situations. He approached them just like his father would approach them. And so one of the things that we fail to realize in this whole, uh, when we look at, at topics like how faith works and how prayer works and all of this, uh, we're always going to have a limited insight in any given situation. We're only going to have limited knowledge. And that's why a lot of times we try to de develop like a formula way of doing things. And formulas only work if all the pieces, right? Think about formulas for a minute, how formulas work. 
A formula is great if you're cooking a recipe. Or a formula is great if you're building something, and so that you can do it over and over again. But life, as we live, it doesn't play out like a formula does. It's not like it's in a lab. It's more like it's on a battlefield. And like a soldier, maybe you have certain training, certain, certain things that you do and that you're taught. But when you're actually in battle, you kind of have to ad lib a little bit, right? You kind of have to adapt to your circumstances. You have to think on the fly. And if you haven't already learned it, what you probably see is when it comes to the things of God, when it comes to applying them in the situations of life, sometimes we kind of have to, to, to think on the fly or react on the fly. It's not a matter of, um, you remember the old pictures of how the British army, all the soldiers would march, like the wooden soldiers all in perfect formation, you know, and then they would they would take aim and the drums would go and the, the, the one guy would have the sword up in the air and fire. But today war is kind of like, or combat is more like a guerrilla warfare, right? Where there's enemies hiding in the trees, where there's traps set. You know, if if evil and the forces of evil came against uh, God's people in a nice, neat, orderly fashion, then basically it would be very easy. We could just repeat certain formulas. Oh, this situation requires this and this situation requires that. But, but what we see is very simple principles here that we don't have to make this a um, intellectual pursuit in order to have success. In other words... Um, if you don't quote the King James Bible or you quote a verse and you're missing a word or two out of it, it's not like, okay, you did it wrong. The supernatural power of God's not going to work for you. It's not going to work for your husband or wife. It's not going to work for the people you're praying for. It's not like that. But oftentimes we're left with that feeling. Why is that? It's because the style of teaching, and I'm guilty of this too because I've had the same influences you've had has been, uh, it has that Greek foundation to it where people worship knowledge, <clears throat> where the more you know, the more advantage you have. Right? But, but here, our faith is in God. Now, people say have the faith of God and put a lot of emphasis on the speaking and a lot of emphasis on the believing. But the truth of the matter is, is that if it's not for God behind your words, nothing's going to change. If, if, if it's not for the Holy Spirit behind your words and your belief and what you're saying and what you're doing, then everything's going to stay just as it is. So your responsibility has a beginning point and it has an end point. You know, I, I look back and, and let's go. Let's look at verse number 24. Let's look at 23 and 24. It says, for truly I say to you that whoever shall say unto this mountain, uh, and this is again is the American King James Version, be you removed and be you cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart. You know, my computer just went into sleep mode. Hold on, let me get this back. Be you removed and uh, be you cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he uh, said shall come to pass he shall have whatever he said. 
right? King James Version is very similar to that, the New King James Version. In other words, believe that what you're saying will come to pass. That's what Jesus did when he said, let no man eat fruit from this tree ever again. Right? He believed it. Now, if that was us today, and I'm just going to use the tree as an example, a lot of us would be tempted, you know, let's go out and check out on that tree and see how it's, see how our prayers are working. Or see, see how our faith is doing. And other, others of us might say, well, you know, I really want to check on the tree, but that would be unbelief. So, but still you're bothered by it. There's no rest in your heart. You're wondering, did it really work? Now, in the past, when I look at examples of this, I remember praying for people and not giving it a second thought and finding out later that my prayers had an effect on them. And I remember praying for people, and then when I thought about them, I wondered and I hoped, I'm just being honest with you, that, that my prayers had an effect on their situation, but I, I didn't know about it. And when I thought about it, I didn't have confidence so when you find yourself in a position where you're praying and you feel like checking it out, let's check out the fig tree today. Matter of fact, okay, yeah, the fig tree looks the same as yesterday, but I bet the roots are starting to dry up a little bit, right? So what do you do? You start digging in the ground and you start examining the roots. No, no, it feels kind of moist. I mean, you know, it's funny thinking like that, but we do that in our thought life. See, the Bible says that faith has rest, and we who have believed enter into God's rest. We have rest in our heart. And I can tell, I can tell you that in my own experience, I have prayed for things that were really serious. And during my prayer time, I would tell God that this thing is bothering me so much that I have to just dump this into your hands and think about something else. And just move on from it. Because if I keep playing with this thing, I'm going to open the door to fear. And I don't want to do that. But I don't want you to think that I'm just forgetting about it. Because in my mind, I don't know if I'm going to see the thing immediately, which I've seen at times, which is incredible when it happens. But when you see something immediately, you start to think about, what did I do? What did I do that made that happen immediately? And then you'll pick something out. And that'll be the thing. That'll be the key. And then when you do it next time, it doesn't work. You know, and, it, and it's confusing. You know, but, but there's uh, the one constant, the one thing that never changes is God. God never changes. We do. But also, there's opposition to prayer. If you read about in the book of Daniel, uh, one time he prayed and the answer came really quickly. The other time he prayed and there was a delay because a spiritual being was trying to hinder that prayer from getting answered and the answer from coming through. And it took Michael the archangel to get it done. And so you hear stories like that and you think, well, I wonder if there's a spiritual opposition in there. And you start thinking about that and that doesn't make you feel maybe very good. And so you start to pray again. And maybe you start to pray harder, more fervently, and then what do you do? You inadvertently look at the situation to see if any change has taken effect because you're basing things on what you see, on what you hear, on what you feel. And then you realize, wait, 
that's not right. I'm supposed to walk by faith and not by sight and not by what I feel. And it can become a vicious circle because let's face it, at the end of the day, the whole idea of praying is to change something. It can be something outward. It can be something inward. It could be something that affects us. It could be something that affects our family. It could be something that affects our health. It could be something that affects our nation, right? And ultimately, we know that what we're after is the final outward answer, the manifestation, the materialization of what it is that we asked for, or else we wouldn't have asked for it. Yes, believe you receive it, but after a while, you want to know you have it. So, for example, if somebody... Uh, says, um, do you believe? And, and you're, 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 and you say, yes, that means that you've made a choice to believe. Right? So for example, um, do, do you believe that God is, is protecting you and your home? And you say, yes. But then like if one thirty in the morning, you hear a rattling on the window, then that belief is suddenly challenged. Right? So the thing is, you know, we, we live in a physical world and a spiritual world simultaneously. And there are absolutely positively things in our power that we can do. But there's times that what we're able to do comes to an end. And that's where, where our ability trails off and leaves off God's ability begins. Think about this. Um, Jesus and his disciples, they walked a lot of places. They walked to a lot of places. But then there was a time when the storm came up on the sea and Jesus needed to get back to his disciples and he didn't have a boat and he walked on the water. I'm sure it seemed cool to do. I mean, how could that not be cool, walking on water? But then if you think about the story a little bit more, there's another situation where, you know, he went to the, the Samaria, the woman by the well where the Samaritans were. And he met with the woman by the well, says he was tired and thirsty. You know, some people might think, oh, God, why did you let this happen to me? Why do you let this happen? Well, you're living in a world. There's certain things that... You know, sometimes that, you know, for example, God teleported, um, who was it? Philip the Evangelist in the book of Acts, when he preached the gospel to Enoch, he got caught up by this, the spirit and physically transported from one place to another. And you think, wow, why didn't God just do that for Jesus? He could have, well, obviously there was a plan that wouldn't have worked had he done it that way. There were people and, and, and divine meetings, I guess you would call them, that had to take place along the road. And when you read the Gospels, yeah, you can see that. You know, sometimes, and, and this is the other side of faith, you know, each one of us at one point in our life has said, well, you know, why, God, why have, have you allowed this to happen to me? As if God is like the, the guy, uh, you know, across the street watching the other person abuse their family abuse their wife and abuse their kids and doesn't do anything about it, even though it's within his power to do it. 
And I think the, the, the bottom line here is that somebody says, you know, I don't understand why that person came down with that disease. They're a good person. And if you go in the Bible, you can find multiple reasons why bad things happen to good people. Sometimes the Bible says fear opens the door. Other times, lack of knowledge opens the door. Other times, having no vision um, opens the door for evil to come in and its will to be done. Other times, unbelief caused some problems to happen or remain. The problem is, is when we try to assign one of those reasons to a particular contemporary situation. Because, you know, we look at something and, and it becomes just easy to blame God. But the fact of the matter is, the Bible says that the God of this world, talking about Satan, has blinded the minds of those, 2 Corinthians 4, 4, lest they believe. We have an adversary here. It's a real war that we're facing. Now, in the end, everything that you go through, all the tests, all of the trials, all of the tribulation, <clears throat> it will be more than made up for. But yet the, the ability to have the victory here in this time, in this life, is within our reach. Why? Because according to the Bible, Jesus not only died for our sins, but he's given us his righteousness He's given us his justification. It says we've been seated with him in heavenly places. Now, all of those things sound great on paper, but of course, when you look at yourself in the mirror, when, when you see what you can touch, you're still, a, you're still in this body. Right? You're not in a glorified body, yet you're still in this earth. You're still subject to negative emotions, negative thoughts, making bad choices, and all of those things. The beautiful thing is, is that this thing we call faith, we can keep it pretty simple. You know, I, I speak words of faith over situations. I pray and I thank God for answering my prayer before I actually see the answer. I do this for days, weeks, months, sometimes even years at a time before I see the answer. Sometimes I don't even feel like praying or thanking or believing anymore because I get tired just like you do, because I feel thoughts of frustration crowding in, right? because I just feel like sometimes taking a nap. It's part of being human. But what I want to encourage you is that just like you don't have to be an electrician and know all of the intricacies of how circuits and resistors and measurements work with electricity to benefit from it in your own home. Likewise, as a believer, you don't have to have this inside secret knowledge of how faith and prayer work and how to do exactly what needs to be done in the exact situation every day, every time, with every situation. Right? You do what you know to do, and then you have faith in God to do what you cannot do. I've seen people healed by people simply asking God to heal them, asking God to heal other people. I've seen people uh, get answers to prayer by praying to Jesus, even though Jesus said, in that day you'll ask me nothing. Whatever you ask the Father in my name, he'll give you. I've seen that too. I've seen people... Uh, healed physically when the person praying for them used the name of Jesus Christ, the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the name Jesus alone. I've seen it. What, is that, what does that tell you? 
it tells you that the one that makes all of this work is not a legalist. It tells you, it tells me that you don't have to have the exact words right every single time. So what I would encourage is if you're looking for answers, look for them in the Bible. You know, there's videos I see online where um, I'm not going to go into who it is and who makes them and who's involved in them. But uh, every week there's somebody on this show and they're selling a new book about how to be blessed financially or how to receive healing immediately or how to pray more effectively for your relatives or any, I mean, the list goes on and on and on. And people t saying that they, you know, saw Jesus and Jesus told them this thing and they're selling a book on it. And I don't even want to get into whether that's right or wrong, up or down. And, you know, um, I just want to say this. If you think about it just simply and logically, can they tell you something that you can't get from reading the Bible? Well, of course, their experience isn't in the Bible, but they can't give you a truth that God hasn't already put in the Bible. In other words, everything you need is already in one book. I know, just like you, I enjoy reading books about what other people have experienced. I enjoy reading what they did to get the answer, what they did to see the answer. But what I've learned in my life now, and having applied this, and I, I tell you, this is the one thing that I spent more time thinking about. I can honestly say, you know, business is a second, close second, but um, this subject of faith and prayer and all of this is something that I've literally given my life uh, to understand and to apply and, uh, and to do. You know, I've been on stage and I've prayed for people and seen healings and some people get healed and some people not healed. I've seen some people receive, done it for myself, went through a lot of things and, and through it all. As time goes on, the older I get and the more experiences I have, I see that the simpler you make this topic, the more effective and the more real reality it will have in your life. Because the other stuff leads to uh, a performance-based type of praying. Right, so what, when I pray, I want to pray from my heart. What I mean by that is I don't want to have uh, part of my mind thinking about God and part of my mind thinking that dinner needs to be ready in 15 minutes. That's what I mean by that, praying from the heart. When you're praying from the heart, it may take you a few minutes to really get into it, but you've, you've crowded out the other things, and it's just you and, and God. And you're being honest about it. You know, you find yourself saying things like, you know, Lord, you haven't been the, the focus uh, of what I've been doing with my thoughts and anything, you know, please forgive me. And I've been worried about things that I know I shouldn't be worried about because what the Bible says. And, and when you start praying like that, it, then you're the real you, the inner you is coming to the surface. That's what it means uh, to pray from the heart. In that day, God will reveal the thoughts and intents, it says, of people's hearts. You know, it's kind of like, you know, when you're a kid and there's something inside you that says, hey, you know, it's okay if you cheat on this one test or if you copy this. And, you know, you just do it real fast and you crowd out the, the, the thoughts out of your mind and just move forward. You don't think about it anymore. Right? People do that in life. Sometimes people lie. And, you know, there's lies of commission and omission, like they say. Sometimes you, you give a one-word answer. You say, quote, unquote, a half-truth, whatever that means. 
it just because you don't want to say the truth and open up a whole nother can of worms. You just want to move on from the situation. It's easier just to say something that's not really true, okay, which is another word for a lie. <clears throat> All men are liars. That's what the Bible says. It's true. All mankind. So, you know, I, I think about all of that, and yeah, it, all of those things are reality. And and the more time goes on, the more I find it easier to rely on the power of God. You know, the Bible says your faith shouldn't stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. That's what Paul preached, right? That's why I kept the gospel simple. And I encourage you to do the same thing. Start simplifying it, and don't be like one of those people. Oh, you you bound instead of loosed. That's why it didn't work, you know. I, I just want to tell you that the Spirit of God is working in you to cause you to do and say all the right things. Right? Do you think you really figured out the gospel? That's why you became a believer? No, the Bible says you believe because God called you. God spoke to you on the inside. Maybe he did through multiple people. Maybe he did over a course of years. Maybe it happened suddenly, but he did it. It was all in his hands. Right? He he, he died in place of you. He's done it all. All of the hard work has been done. Our faith is getting to the point where we can finally accept that as it pertains to a particular situation that we're struggling with. Right? That's what the good fight of faith is, getting to the place where you can rest and be at peace, and you can't do that through human effort. Well, unless you consider prayer a human effort, but you pray and say, God, you know, I've come to the end of my rope. I need strength. And sometimes you just sit there and feel nothing and sit there and sit there and sit there, and then suddenly... You do feel something. You do have an insight you didn't have before, and you know it was God. It, it, do I wish it happened immediately? Yes, I do. But that's why I put that scripture here. The foundation of this podcast, men all, always to pray and not to faint and give up. So yes, you will go through situations where you feel like you're alone, where it will really feel like it's true, where it will feel like you have been abandoned, and the enemy will come and whisper to your mind and show you all these good reasons why you should be abandoned. Right? But Jesus said, I am with you always. I will never leave nor forsake you. Right? Those who believe are who, who believe are in Christ. You know, so I remember just going to God at one point and asking for forgiveness, it seemed, for the same things over and over and over again. Right? Things that bothered me, things I wanted to change in my own life, and I felt like powerless to change them. So sometimes I would just give up and not try. And sometimes that would work really well, but then sometimes it would come back again. I find myself repeating the same old thing, same old way of defeated thinking. And now, you know, I look back and I say, wow, those things were taken care of. Those things I thought were never taken care of. You know, am I perfect? No. But I can see now distance and time and maturity. You're going to mature in these things. You're going to learn about them because God himself is going to teach you. What does the Bible say? That you have no need that any man teach you? The Holy Spirit is in you to be your teacher, your guide, your comforter. All right, I think that's about it for now on this topic. Part one, talking about what faith is, how faith works, how it works relative to our individual lives and prayer. I hope you got something from that. I will be back as soon as I'm able to with part two. And uh, God bless you. Thanks for listening. <coughs> Excuse me. And I'll see you in the next podcast episode.